Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. guest of all. His name is Bert Doman. He's a fellow Hawaiian. He now lives in Los Angeles, but today he's up in Lake Tahoe, I understand. But Bert is a professional trader, investor, and analyst, but also he is the founder of Doman Capital Research, and our whole company subscribes to his letter, the Wellington Letter, and I've been a, a fan of his for 30, 40 years now. And when I was a guy cr cruising around Waikiki with no money, you know, Bert was always in the news. You know, he's sort of like the Donald Trump of Honolulu because you know, his forecasts were so accurate. So today, uh, stay tuned because if you have, a, if you want to know the crystal ball on the world today and what's going to happen to your finances, this is the program. I mean, you have been forewarned. You can start taking action now rather than hope that the next president, whoever it is, be it Hillary or Mr. Clinton, I mean, Mr. Uh, Trump will save your butt, you know, because I don't think they can anymore. So with that, Kim, what do you want to say about oh, our um, friend? I, it, this is perfect timing because there's just a ton of news out there. And it's funny because our, our CEO, Mike Sullivan, uh, swears by he hangs on every word Bert says. And he's been studying. Last time we had Bert on, he was talking about Treasury bills. And he's out there studying Treasury bills and watching <laughs> Treasury bills. And, uh, and our company is really pays close attention to what Bert says because Bert brings just a, a fresh and a real perspective. And it's not what the financial networks are telling you. It's actually, in many cases, opposite yeah, of what you're hearing on the news today. Yeah, and, and Bert doesn't sell you stocks. and He sells, like, like we do, financial education. And the reason we love having Bert, he comes from another point of view. You know, like financial education is like this big, giant ruby or, you know, a gem with facets to it. And Bert definitely brings a facet to it. But it's probably his best asset, best facet, is his ability to see the future. Because the things he's been saying are coming true today. And one of his best books was called The, Com the Coming China Crisis. And today, China is the biggest basket case going. When China goes down, it'll be like, it'll be like this asteroid hitting the Pacific Ocean. And also, is prelude to a meltdown. So everything Bert has been saying is currently coming true. All right, so Bert, welcome to the program. And what's the good news and bad news on the world situation? Well, Robert and Kim, it's great to be with you today and uh, from beautiful Lake Tahoe. So what's, uh, you know, let, let's start with your favorite stock. Apple. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Apple has, uh, you know, uh, I've been negative on uh, Apple here this uh, this whole year, and. Uh, but you're probably I, the only one, you know. Yeah, I know, and that's always what makes me comfortable in my uh, decision uh, making. When everyone is on one side of the fence, uh, things can only go to the, to the other direction. And when you take a look at 
uh, Apple, I think there's a, a, a good amount of evidence that Apple has now seen a long-term top, and from here on, it's going to be dead money. In fact, uh, I just wrote an article for our website, domancapital.com, which said Apple is going to be dead money at best. What do you mean and by dead money? Dead money, you're not going to make any money, and you're probably going to lose a lot of money. Ah. Uh, Apple now, if you do, just look at the technicals instead of the fundamentals, we have a long-term top, uh, which stretches out to February of this year. Long-term top it means it, every time it got to a certain level, uh, the big money came in and sold it. There were some very big hedge funds, huge amount of money they had into Apple. Carl Icahn had 53 million shares of Apple. And I, I've been saying for the last year, how is he ever going to get out of uh, this position? when the tide changes and the tide for apple has changed so what why do you think that is that's the most important question you know because apple's yes. been the darling of every amateur i've been a fan of steve jobs and apple for years yeah, yeah. but i don't buy apple because i'm not a, i'm not a paper guy yeah. but what's wrong what does apple mean to you well uh, basically uh, for me it's a one product company uh, all the other uh, products that they have are insignificant the ipad uh, sales are down 34 percent the share of the market of tablets is uh, uh, now down about 60%. Uh, Apple is a company that has an attitude of uh, corporate arrogance. They think that people should be uh, willing to buy their products at prices twice as high as the competition, and they continue to keep those prices up there. They never cut prices, although the competition continues to reduce prices and have more features than Apple products have. Take the iPod. Nobody even talks about the iPod anymore. They're selling the Nano for $149. There's even an Apple website that says this is almost, uh, what did they say, an insult to price the Nano that high. And so you, you have all these things. You've got Apple Pay, which will never really make any significant uh, money. And what, what about Apple Watch? Apple. What about the Apple yeah, Watch? The Apple Watch, is, uh, you can go to Forbes.com. You can see my article written, I think it was in March. And I said uh, the Apple Watch will be a flop. And now we know it is a flop. Uh, so Apple will not even release the numbers on how many watches they have sold because it is such a flop. There's no reason to have an Apple Watch because you need an uh, you need the Apple phone in your pocket. Right. But, but Bert, only... let me ask this question. So it's a one product, uh, one trick pony, as they say. Yes. But does it also reflect something else in the bigger picture of the world economy? Yes. That's that what I, that's what I'm concerned about. That's a good point. That is such a good point that we we have seen irrational exuberance in the pricing of Apple stock. Here is a company that is worth. Uh, it's the most highly valued company on the planet, and all they've got really is, is a big money maker is a phone, a <laughs> phone. That's all. So this was worth more than Siemens, than Philips, than General Electric, than Exxon, uh, all of these huge companies that have been in business for a hundred years. Apple is supposed to be worth more making only a phone, and every uh, mobile device company in the world is after that market right now, and they're coming out with new products at half the price. And eventually people are going to say, I know I'm, uh, I'm caught up in the uh, ecosystem of the Apple, but it's time to get out. I made that decision myself three years ago. I said, they're not going to keep, uh, keep me in this ecosystem because everything that they come out with is more expensive and has fewer features. But, and but I got out three years ago. Right. The question is, though, you know, like as you actually you act, you know, accurately predicted in the coming China crisis, 
that China is the biggest disaster of all facing the world. This is the big one for me. You know, uh, and uh, when I uh, watch financial TV, I see uh, so many commentators coming on and saying, uh, oh, only 12 or 15 percent of the whole population of China has stock accounts. Therefore, this crash, the stock crash in China will not uh, affect their economy. That is so totally wrong. Uh, they've got about 90 million stock accounts. Those 90 million stock accounts, uh, 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 or uh, this is households, I'm sorry, households, which is about 260 million stock accounts, So because there are many different members in the household. Those are the people that have money in China. Most of the people in China are very, very, very poor. Okay, So the people that have any money at all, the ones that make the economy go, suddenly have lost their money because they were speculating with leverage up to 5 to 1. When you have leverage of 5 to 1 and you get a margin call, you have to sell five times more stock than the size of the margin call. So if you get a margin call where the bank, the brokerage firm says, we need $10,000, you have to sell $50,000 worth of stock just to come up with the $10,000 for the brokerage firm. Now, the government then suddenly came in a couple of weeks ago and said, we're going to prohibit all selling. If you own 5% of a, uh, of a company, you can no longer sell any stock. If you're a member of a brokerage firm, you can no longer sell stock. Then they came out with a rule that said, if you're a short seller, we will arrest you. So you, you could not sell short anymore. So you can't sell. You can't sell short. What reason is there for anybody to buy a stock in China? <laughs> There's no reason to buy if you cannot sell. Okay, once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Today we're talking to an old friend from Hawaii, Bert Dorman, but he's also the founder of Dorman Capital Research. His website is dormancapital.com, and he's talking about you know, are we on the eve of destruction right now? Is this the big prelude to the crash of the of the world? So we talked about China, and China is the engine. If China goes down, what happens to the U.S., Bert? Well, I think all of the major markets in the world will be affected, but that creates new buying opportunities. If you're willing to sell short, if you're willing to make money on the downside of the market, it's a great opportunity. If you're not, then wait a few months until there's a real serious a decline in all of the global markets, and then you will see concerted Federal, uh, federal Reserve and Central Bank action, and you will be wanting to buy uh, and scoop up the bargains. But so it, you're going to see this roller coaster, which will be tr tremendous for active investors. And, and if, if China's economy goes down, they're, they're the ones, they're the major buyers of all the goods, and serv all the goods around the world, right? So if, Tim, if, very good point. Over the last 15 years, China has bought 60 to 80 percent of all of the commodity purchases in the world. China has been the locomotive for the global economies. And if that locomotive suddenly stops, what do you think is going to happen to the world? That's a good question. And that's why when we come back, we'll be talking further to Bert Doman. Again, he's a fellow Hawaiian, but he now lives in Los Angeles. This is an exciting, exciting time, but uh, this is the big time we've been waiting for. Unfortunately, if you're one of those people who believes that uh, all markets only go up, you will be badly burned. If you're investing for the long term, hold, buy, hold, and pray, you may be sadly disappointed. So that's why I appreciate you listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show. And we're not making any recommendations. Your, your decision is up to you. And today we're talking to a dear friend, fellow Hawaiian, Bert Doman. 
He's the founder of Doman Capital Research. His website is domancapital.com, and I highly suggest everybody subscribing to whatever he says because whatever he has been saying for all of these years, I know I've followed Bert, he's been accurate. He does not mince his words. His accuracy at the turns of markets is phenomenal. Okay, so for all of you out there who are wondering, what do you listen to this, pro, you know, this program for, and all oh, you're being so negative and all this, look, you gotta be a realist, negative as well as positive. This program is about a crystal ball, and we have one of the best crystal ball guys in the world, Name is Bert Doman, like we said. Any comments, Kim? Yeah, well, I got. A, I have a question for for Bert, just along those lines. Is and we're talking about you know China coming down, the economy going down. Yet the media. Remember when when there was all this media about Greece? Everything was about Greece. There was a station that was watching minute by minute the vote on Greece, and there was all this hoopla about Greece. But there's nothing about China. Why? Very good question. Before I answer that, let me just go back to three years ago. Everybody's so bullish on China. China's going to conquer the world, conquer, uh, China's going to be the biggest this and the biggest that. And I said, China is going to have a severe problem along the way. And the book was entitled The Coming China Crisis. And you know what's really interesting? We started a newsletter at the same time called the China Boom Bust Letter. Yeah, I and subscribed to it, but it wasn't well accepted, was it? Exactly. We had, I think, for about two years, and we could not interest enough people uh, it, the concept that China was so important to all of the global markets, even if you never wanted to invest in there. And so it was a real educational project for us to tell people, look, we ourselves would never invest in China. You know, I just don't trust communism. And most people forget China is communistic. And uh, so we, we finally, after two years, we said we're hitting our heads against the wall. Nobody's interested in China. And Bert, I was, I was. Her. I tell you, I was. I, I was. I loved well, it. But you're an exception, Bob. And, 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 and then when you had to cancel it, I was upset. Because <laughs> I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Because Kim yeah. and I had a gold mine in China, and they nationalized it. See, there you go. That's there what communism. A after yeah. we found the gold, they they took it. Yeah, and that's what nationalism <laughs> means. You guys may not know what that means. Nationalism means you have something, and the government takes it over. That's what it means. Yeah. It's yeah. happening here in the States, too. I was talking to an old friend of mine yesterday who did a lot of business in China. And he was telling me about Chinese companies that were going public in the United States. When the SEC sent uh, requests for documents to the uh, accounting uh, companies, to U, the big U.S. accounting companies doing business in China, requesting information on these firms to the banks and so on, the Chinese government ordered these companies do not provide any paperwork to the SEC. In other words, the SEC was deprived of all information required to permit a company to go public. And anyway, the companies did go public and they went down in flames. But this is how it is under communism or any dictatorship. And I, you know, I think uh, investing your money and my money, uh, it's uh, treacherous enough in a free country like the United States rather than a country where they, they change the rules overnight. Well, the thing, this is what I'm trying to say to everybody. The reason we have Bert on, not only is it for me personally, because I get to see my crystal ball and I get to make decisions about what I ain't supposed to do. But you have to look into the crystal ball and figure out what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But, you know, you, you, were, you have been so accurate. You know, you talked about Alibaba was a shell game, right? It was one of the biggest 
public yes, floats going. There's a typical example. Wall Street raised $22 billion for Alibaba. And uh, uh, they did it because they had fees of over $300 million for the Wall Street firms. People were led to believe that they were actually buying the Alibaba China firm. No, they were buying shares in a Cayman Island shell company. Wow. And the only <laughs> asset of this company was a piece of paper that said, you are entitled to part of the profits of Alibaba China. It didn't say how much of the profit. The profits were to be determined by the board of directors of Alibaba but, China. Yeah, but again, you know, as Kim says, why doesn't that make the news? All you hear on CNBC is, have you got a piece of Alibaba? You know, are you in, are you in with the cool guys? You know, and all this stuff. A, a bigger question is, what is wrong with our media? What happens? What's happening? You know, I don't trust CNBC at all. You know, they're, I know they're kind of good people, but I think they got their heads up their butt. I don't know if they know what's going on. I listen to Jim Cramer, and he talks about, like, the stock market is some religious organization where they're all saints inside there. And, you know, they're a bunch of crooks. And But you're the reason I want people to, you know, go to your website, domencapital.com, D-O-H-M-E-N-C-A-P-A-I-T-A-L.com. It's because you want to see what's going on inside the crystal ball that people do not see what's going on. So that's why I have Bert as a friend, always on our program. He's always generous with what he sees. So this is the next question. Is there a correlation right now between Greece and Puerto Rico, which people don't even know where Puerto Rico is? Yeah. You know, it's American, it's American territory like Hawaii was at yeah. one time. There was talk of Puerto Rico becoming the 51st state and now it declared bankruptcy. And people say, oh, don't worry about it. You know, it's just like Sac yeah. it's, it's, it's like Stockton, California, Vallejo, California. It's like Detroit. Oh, they're just going bankrupt. And people go, well, what does that mean? What does yeah. it mean to you that our the, the, cities are going bankrupt as now a protectorate's going bankrupt? Yeah, let me just uh, go back because you asked about Greece as well. Uh, Kim's question was, why did Greece get so much publicity and not China? And I believe it's because Greece was the U European Union. Americans feel much closer to Europe than with China. China is this mysterious uh, world out there. It's Asia. We don't know much about it, nor do we care about it. Well, uh, the, Europe the is funny much thing, closer Bert, to us. Hey, Bert, great, great thing about race in Hawaii, we know that there's been Chinese, Filipino, and Japanese, and Korean, right? Right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, so. Listen, uh, you know, I loved living there. It's, it was beautiful. I loved the melting pot and all the different nationalities and so on. It's, it's great. It's changed, you know, though, hasn't Hawaii has changed a lot. You know, it, hey, change is constant. That's the world. The yeah. world is dynamic. It's not static. And this is what the, the buy and hold investors always forget. You know, things change, and you have to change with it. And if you change with it, you can make a lot of money in the market. Yeah. And getting back to the Puerto Rican situation, I think the attitude is just like it is with Illinois. Illinois is basically bankrupt. By accounting standards, the state of Illinois is bankrupt. But isn't okay? that where Obama came from, too? <laughs> uh, coincidentally, right? <laughs> and so, the, you know, it is bankrupt. But nobody's paying any attention to it because that's what I'm saying. going to be bailed out. Because and Puerto that, Rico is going to be bailed out. That's what, that's what I'm talking about, Bert. You know, we, we talk about Greece and nobody talks about China. We don't talk about the U.S. either. That's right. We that's don't. the we, point. And it, there's so many other areas that have severe problems. If you go to Europe, you take a look at Portugal, you take a look at Spain, 
uh, Italy, etc. They're all basket cases, similar to Greece, uh, maybe a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, th th things are getting more and more precarious because everything has been papered over with the central banks creating basically an infinite amount of money. The b central banks of the world since 2009 have created $13 trillion of artificial money. $13 trillion. Now, my point is, what will prevent them to create another $13 trillion well, Bert, and have let me, it up to $26 trillion? Let me, you know, let me ask it, you this question. It's, it's another thing people are not watching that you've been watching is derivatives. Yes. You know, prior to the 2007 meltdown, there was $700 trillion in derivatives. And one of your later reports, you said the tr derivative market was up to $1.2 quadrillion. Not trillion. Quadrillion. And a derivative exactly. is just for our listeners a derivative. Just think of derivative as orange juice. Orange juice is a derivative of an orange. So what they did with the collateralized debt obligations and the bad loans and real estate had nothing to do with real estate. It had to do with companies like Goldman Sachs and Bank of America and all that packaging bad subprime loans and selling them as assets. So it was a, they took a derivative of bad and turned it into good. Is that basically it, Bert? Exactly. Uh, yeah, this is what happened in the U.S. in the last cycle, 2007. Uh, up to that time, was CDOs. They were pooled, made up of subprime mortgages. Then the Wall Street went around the world and sold participations in these pools. And they were, and towards the end, they had synthetic CDOs because they couldn't get <laughs> enough bad mortgages to put into these. They said, okay, we're going to have a new pool, which is a fictitious pool, and we're going to pretend it, is, it has the same components as this actual pool that's and out there. Has any, have any of those guys gone CDO. Have any of those guys gone to jail? Of course not. Not one. Of course not. Not one. <laughs> you know? And so, now, do you know what happened in China here this year? Because they had this tr tremendous uh, speculative bubble in the stock market. They were doing a CDO type of situation with stocks. Instead of putting mortgages into these CDOs, they put stocks into these pools. And then they sold different tranches of those stocks. So you could buy the safer one, and you would pay more, and you could buy the bottom one, which was much higher risk, with crappy stocks and so on, and you would pay less. <laughs> These were done, financed them by the banks at the leverage of five to one. So very quickly, they, so very quickly, what what do you is there anything our listeners can do to protect themselves against this stuff, or is it just too oh, big? Oh, you could make a lot of money. Don't don't protect yourself. You only want to need protection if you invested in this garbage. Now, it's, <laughs> now you don't need the protection if you had a brain. Okay. If if you were if you were a subscriber to our Wellington letter, you never would have invested in this stuff. Now, who's going to be hurt by this? Who's going to be hurt by the China crisis? I've been saying for the last year, since June of last year, that was the first time that the problems started surfacing when overnight interest rates in China tripled. They went up to 25% overnight. And I said, here it is. They can no longer hide the crisis that's, uh, that's going on in China. And the first problems emerged. And at that point, you knew that something bad was going to happen. When China goes down the drain, the emerging markets are going to go down the drain with China because the emerging markets have China as their biggest customer. And the emerging markets have most of their external debt in U.S. dollars. Now, the U.S. dollar is rising. It will rise tremendously more as the world goes to pot because everybody wants to go to the U.S. for safety. 
Okay, so that's going to make the U.S. dollar strong. Now, if the Federal Reserve, in its infinite wisdom, makes another monumental mistake in September and hikes interest rates, it's going to exacerbate that. You're going to see the emerging markets going downhill because they cannot service that debt. The debt is getting more expensive for them as the dollar rises, and their income declines because of the China situation. Once the emerging <laughs> market is where you want to sell short. I, you want to buy the EUM, which is an ETF that rises in price as the emerging markets decline. Hey, this is all about the crystal ball, and this is the man I listen to. And just because he's been right on the money for all the years, I have followed Bert probably 30, 40 years now. He has been on the money. And he doesn't sell his stocks and stuff. He sells, like Rich did, we sell information. And I suggest you subscribe to his letter, the Wellington letter. So once again, this is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. You can listen about this, listen to this program on the Rich Dad Radio app on your time on your schedule, available at the App Store. And you can listen to all of our broadcasts on richdadradio.com. We archive them so you can listen to it again. And this is a program you should definitely listen to. So, Bert, as we go into the final segment, you know, a couple of questions. Oil is going down, and most people, oh, you know, Bubble Vision, CNBC, and those guys, oh, this is good news because the American consumer has more money. What's the other side to that about oil price going down? Well, the other side is the real cause. The cause of oil prices going down is not because OPEC wants to do us a favor. No, it's because of deteriorating economic conditions, which means demand is going on. There's less demand and more supply, and the lower prices go, the more oil is being pumped, because the large oil companies, they say, we have to make up for the lower prices by selling more oil. Which drives so the price lower. More. So that, that it's a vicious circle, and that vicious circle won't stop until oil may get down to 15 dollars a barrel or ten dollars a oh, barrel don't that's me. possible it's yeah i understand possible. it's not a forecast but what happened so what, what we happens take to it one step at a time uh, using technical analysis and i said on this rally here which went uh, to about 60 dollars is that the next step is going to be down to 44 which is the low earlier this year and after that we're going to go into the 30s you know it is it's inevitable but isn't right, it, right. Isn't but, it? but the good news is that the consumer pays less you know we got we got a new deal on propane <laughs> but yeah, it, but doesn't it yeah. keep self self uh, creating itself because if the if the demand is down then the economy is down the economy keeps to go down less jobs they're, the they oil companies more. are they're laying off people so unemployment's going up isn't it just going to be this downward spiral exactly and it, it, this is the thing you have to see what the cause is don't look at the ripples look at the center with a with a rock dropped into the water that's where you want to go what is that it's global deflation all the commodity prices are going down and as they go down more commodities are produced in order to make up for the uh, for the shortfall but, in profit but didn't you say when one of your letters i think it was you that russia needs a hundred dollars a barrel to stay afloat Oh, yes. A lot of these, Russia is in deep kimchi, as we say in uh, <laughs> And uh, they're in deep trouble. 
And so this is why Russia has cozy it up to China. They now have a, a mutual support act, you know, and so on. It's like two drunks trying to keep each other up, you know. <laughs> and eventually they're both going to fall down. And uh, uh, no, really, the globe is in, in terrible trouble. The central banks have really screwed things up royally. You know, what, what people don't recognize is that the big factor out there is that uh, most people, especially retired people, don't have any income anymore. Right. So right. it's not that you're, the purchasing of your, the power of your money is declining. No, it's the, the what your money is able to achieve in income has declined to almost zero levels. But Bert, that but, is the impoverishment of the world. But Bert, I think it was you who also said that when the price of oil goes down, the rich get hurt too because many of them are counting on their uh, revenue from oil production. Everybody gets hurt. Yeah. You know, in, in 2008, in Jul, uh, June, uh, I mean, oil hit $149 a barrel. Goldman Sachs on that day came out and said it's going to go to 200 On that same day, we said, this is the top, and from here it's going to go down to $50. So there was 149 to 50 People didn't believe it. Right. It went down to 38 And Goldman was on the sell side probably on that one, too. <laughs> Who knows? So, <laughs> and so if you got gold, at, I mean, if you got oil at, you know, 50 or 38 or whatever it is, what, how, how does that affect the oil industry overall? It's a disaster. It, it means it huge bankruptcies in the oil industry, in anything related to the oil industry. And this includes stores like 7-Elevens. This includes uh, uh, the hotel companies that are in the oil sectors. This includes the junk bond market. In the junk bond market, the oil, the energy sector is the biggest component of the junk bond market. They raised $210 billion of junk bonds. And in my opinion, they're going to go belly up, all of these junk bonds. And you just wait till the investors in the junk bonds and the ETFs in the junk bonds and the mutual funds that have these junk bonds realize that, and they start selling them or trying to sell them, and they can't find any buyers for the junk bonds. And once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Once again, you can listen to this program on your time and your schedule, the Rich Dad Radio app. Available at the App Store, and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. Our guest today is Bert Doman. You know, he is my man with the crystal ball. I hope you're seeing the future. We played that song for you. We're on the eve of destruction. Now, all of that said, if the dollar is getting stronger, is that why the price of gold is getting down, going down for Americans? Yes, uh, this is bearish for all the commodities. A rising go uh, uh, dollar is bearish for commodities. So what do you invest in? That's that's a question right now. That's a big question and, right now. Exactly. Now, Kim uh, was asking before, you know, what I invest in and so on. And, you know, I'm a trader. Uh, I, I trade short term because I watch the markets during the day. I use uh, advanced technical analysis to tell me when there's short term move coming to an end and you want to go in the opposite direction. So I can make money whether the markets go down or when they go up. And sometimes I will buy the strong sectors. I will sell short the weak sectors, which is a wonderful way to make money. And if people want to replicate that, all they have to do is uh, subscribe to our Smart Trader service. Smart Trader comes out almost every day. It has very specific uh, buy recommendations and sell recommendations, which is something you don't get for most companies. So we'll tell you when to buy, when to sell, and you can take it or leave it, uh, depending on you. But uh, uh, last month uh, at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas, there were 2,500 people there. Donald Trump was speaking there, and uh, people asked, what is your number one uh, investment? And I said, 
uh, right now, for what I see ahead, treasury bonds, long-term treasury bonds. Now, this is different than treasury bills. T-bills are short-term, 30 days, 90 days, etc. Treasury bonds are long-term. This will be the safe haven of the world. Now, I said that a month ago, and what has happened to treasury bond prices, the ETF that I recommended, it's an EDV at the time, it's up 11% in one month. A treasury bond, up 11% in one month. Why is that? What, what is so good about a treasury bond? You know, you've, you've, been telling this, uh, you've been telling this to us for about seven, eight months now. My uh, CEO, Mike Sullivan, says, damn, Bert is correct. Everything is going, he's tracking you. He says, what you're saying is true. Why are people jumping into okay. treasury bonds? We've been recommending treasury bonds actually since the early 2014 when there was absolutely not one person on Wall Street that wanted to be in treasury bonds. Everybody that came on TV said, you want to be out of treasury bonds and you want to be out of them. And I said, I, said I that. love it. I love it. I'm, go I'm into them. And here are the reasons that we like treasury bonds. And, you know, over the next 13 months, the EDV that we recommended it's from Vanguard was up 51%. Now, if you could make 51% in 13 months in a treasury bond ETF, that's pretty good. Why, but why? Why were you recommending it? What did you know? Safe haven. But safe what does that haven. mean to the average? Look, I mean, I, I think it, I understand it, but I tell you, bills and bonds never made any sense to me. Okay. For, first of all, when, when the economies of the world deteriorate, they get slower and slower and slower. You, that, that means that fewer and fewer companies are able to make money. Have you noticed that in the last six months, while they're manipulating the major stock indices like the Dow Jones, the S&P 500 upward, most stocks have not gone upward. If you look at the NYSE Composite Index, which is all the stocks on the New York Stock Exchange, it's far below where it was in July of a year ago. Are you saying okay? the stock market is manipulated? <laughs> <laughs> yes, not only I. I've been saying it for several years. <laughs> uh, we just had last week. We just had, uh, or was it this week? Uh, Bill Gross from P uh, formerly uh, you know, the founder of Pimco. Yep. Yes, he said the markets are so manipulated, nothing is honest anymore. You know, he said that on, on national TV. So for him to say that, that's pretty good. But anyway, the the thing is, when everything is going down, if you have a hundred million dollars lying around. The safe haven, you don't want to be in stocks. You don't want to be in private equity investments. You don't want to be in savings. so overvalued. You don't want to be in savings. You don't want to be in savings. You don't trust the banks. Well, you they charge you interest today. Your mattress gets uh, gets very lumpy with $100 million <laughs> underneath it. I don't have that so problem. Where do, you, where do you put it? You put it into the safest instrument in the world, and that's a treasury bond. And why yeah. is it so safe? Because the government stands behind it, and the government has made the promise. And we all believe what all the politicians say, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I the still recommend that the, what, what's really behind it is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has the, the power to print an infinite amount of money. Okay, so that's so I still recommend in the EDF by Vanguard? Yes, yeah, uh, EDV is the symbol. EDV. There's another one called the TLT that's not Vanguard. Uh, there's another one, TLO. It depends. Uh, your EDV is more volatile because it contains zero coupon, T-bonds. You can look up what that is. And so, so it's more volatile. So if you want something less volatile, look at the TLO. And, the and, then, and, then the, and the EUM for emerging market uh, short. E yeah, yeah. And, you know, let's always remember, any recommendation is only good until it changes. 
Okay. <laughs> That's a good point. Yes. So good point. The, you the world pay attention. is dynamic. Yep. There's nothing static in this world. We have four seasons in a year, and each season has a different temperature. And you don't want to be running around in the middle of summer in Phoenix, Arizona with a fur coat on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do not. <laughs> Hey, Bert, uh, to finish up here, I want to talk about my friend, the Donald. So anyway, he's been saying things, but he still goes up in the polls. But, you know, last year, I mean, last four years ago, Rick Perry was leading, and now he doesn't even make the stage. So what are your, what are your thoughts on Trump? You know, you said he had a standing ovation at Freedom Fest and all that. What do you think? I noticed that going into this ballroom before his speech, about 2,000 people were going into the ballroom. I noticed all the people around me, everybody was kind of, chuckling and making derogatory comments about him and so on basically they didn't care for the guy when he was done speaking he got a standing ovation and everyone around me everyone walking out couldn't help but talk positively about what he had to say he said people said basically he is saying what every american is thinking and this is what we have to focus on. Yes, we all misspeak in, in interviews and, and speeches sometimes. And what he said about McCain and so on, I'm sure we know what he meant, but he didn't say it in the right way. And probably he should have He did uh, explain apologized. it. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's, just, it's different. But what we have to focus on is the big things in, in, in life, the big things having to do with the uh, future of our country and where we are going. Right now, we're heading towards a, a system of a kleptocracy. Kleptocracy is when the guys in power in Washington steal all the money from the rest of the country. Yep, yep. The, everything is for themselves. Nobody is there looking out for the interests of the country and for the average American. So do you and think Trump, Donald Trump? Yeah, do you think he, he would be good? It. You think he'd be good for the U.S. economy? I, I don't know. I don't know how he would be as a president, but this is why he's popular. This is why I compared him to Reagan. I remember when Reagan was going for the nomination, and you could hear only negative things about Reagan, you know, and much, much of it was made up. And uh, I was at a, speaking at a conference at the Fountain Blue in Miami that, that evening when he was nominated. The, we had a, a press conference in our suite, and uh, they asked me to come on uh, TV, uh, live TV, 10 o'clock that night. And the media only wanted to hear bad things, and they thought I would help them. And they said, but isn't it true he wants to cut back on welfare and then all the elderly will be eating dog food? <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I said, no, only dogs will be eating dog food. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but that's how it was. And then the, the Republican Party, who had been fighting him tooth and nail because they wanted Bush in there, they finally had to settle for Bush becoming vice president. Right. And, and that's what happened. And we're in the same situation now. And we're now coming in to ask Robert, and you can submit your questions at richdadradio.com to ask Robert. And here we, I want to thank Bert. He's always entertaining. He always gets me thinking. So that's why I thank Bert, because happy days are over. And I do agree with him, is that this is not a time to expect that the economy will be like it was in 1970 or 80. It's all a different economy today. And, you know, Bert, Bert is also, he's all about education, and, and I would recommend you you maybe want to listen to this program again because he actually mentioned some specific ETFs and things to invest in. And even if you don't invest, it's a great education to watch what's happening with these specific um, specific bonds and specific ETFs, and so you'll, get, you'll just increase your education. Yeah, and that ETF, the EUM, is really about the BRICS, you know, Brazil, Russia, Emerging China. markets, yeah. 
So, Melissa, what's the next question, please? Our first question today, Robert, comes from Tobogo in South Africa. South Africa. We were just in South I was Africa. I just there we a couple South of days Africa. ago with Kim. Go Springboks. There you go. His <laughs> favorite book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He says, Robert, if you had control of the money supply, what would you do? That's a fantastic question because that's the question everybody should be asking themselves. If you control the money supply and you saw what's going on in the economy, would you cut it off and we go into a depression and then there would be anarchy? Or when we go into a depression, you start printing. So the, the big tectonic plates, you know, the, the tug of war is between depression and hyperinflation. If we go into depression, which I think we will, at that point, the central banks, like the Fed and the Japanese banks and the Chinese and the European Union, that's when helicopter money will show up. They will print. So they'll try and print the way out of a depression. So, but if they cut money and they stop printing, you know, like the, the, the most important precious metals will be gold, silver, guns, and bullets, okay, because there will be anarchy. So it's not a very pretty picture, and somewhere in between depression and hyperinflation lies the truth. So the people that control the monetary system of the world have the power of that in their hands. So if Janet Yellen says, we're not gonna print any more money, it's depression. If they keep printing money, it's hyperinflation. Neither are that good. And one other point I want to make to Tobogo, he's asking, you know, if you control the money supply. He does control his money supply. He controls his money supply of his family. So everything that we're talking about, you pay attention to what's happening globally, but also what are you doing as in within your family to control your money supply? Yeah, and the point is the reason Rich Dad, the Rich Dad Company has been formed is our, our education system is obsolete. Yes, it is. They're still telling you to go to school. They have no financial education. Why would you go to school? And they tell you to save money. Why would you save money when they're printing money? Then they tell you to invest for the long term for the, in the stock market, and they have HFT, high-frequency trading. You're sitting there holding long you know, for 40 years so you can retire, and HFT means they're trading in microseconds. A microsecond is a millionth of a second or they're trading in milliseconds, which is a thousandth of a second. And they're trading against you, right? And they trade against you. So Goldman Sachs and the big banks and all that, you give them your money to invest, they put it into what's called a dark pool, and the HFT guys, the high-frequency traders, just rip your money apart. The very guys you trust your money to, they trade against you. And it's perfectly legal. That's why nobody's going to jail. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Joseph in Kansas. Favorite book, Unfair Advantage. He says, I don't know if I understand your statement, capitalists can print their own money. Is that more a true statement than capitalists know how to create wealth? Or is it a combination of both that is the most accurate? It's actually a combination of both. That's a great question. But when I talk about printing money, that's what Kim and I do, because we don't save money. Let me give you this example. In 1970, when I came back from Vietnam, if I put a million dollars in the bank, I got 15% interest. That was $150,000 in interest. You could live on $150,000 a year in 1970. If I put a million dollars today at 2015 into the bank, I might get $10,000 interest. That means if I'm living on, if I'm a pensioner and I'm living on $10,000 a year, I could be a million dollars in the bank and still be going below poverty line. That's why you shouldn't save money. So what Kim and I do is we use debt. You see, you can use debt to consume, like you can go 
You know, you can use your credit card to go out and shop and buy some new shoes or go to dinner. Or you can use debt to acquire assets that produce cash flow. So that's, wait, wait, that's the difference. When I say print money, you know, Kim and I receive a lot of money every month on no money because we're using your money, debt. So every time you put money in the bank in your savings account or you invest in a long time in the stock market or you buy an insurance policy, they give us your money so we get rich. The key to life is to use OPM, other people's money, to print money for you. That's called cash flow. And, and also, you know, you talk about capitalists printing their own money. I mean, we create assets. So out of nothing, you create Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You write this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, who knew well, it was going to be? Well, it's a true story, be... but it was out of nothing. Well, I mean, <laughs> it was out of your head. Um, but who knew it would be the success it is? And now it's a major asset. So from starting from nothing, we create this asset, and it's like printing money. Yeah, and we finance the— we, Same with the cash flow board game. Yeah, we raise capital for the— Rich Dad Company, we raised a quarter million dollars and we paid all that money back. So today all the millions we're making, there's no, we have no money in the deal. That's what I mean by printing money. And then we take the money we made from Rich Dad and we buy more real estate with Ken McElroy and Tom Wheelwright, the Rich Dad advisor in taxes, tells us how to pay no taxes. That's the game. But unfortunately, they don't teach you that in school. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Luke in San Antonio, Texas. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Says Robert, as a graduating medical student with over two hundred thousand in student loan debt, what is your advice to those students who are going into the higher income, higher taxed fields such as law, medicine, or engineering? I love what I do, but I don't want to be an employee any longer than I have to. Well, great question. It's not about being an employee. It's how do you serve humanity? And congratulations, because you'll actually be in a great position simply because. Most medical guys of my age are getting out simply because they're sick and tired of the insurance companies running medical industry. But the way you do that, again, is financial education. And one of the things you may want to look at is Tom Wheelwright's book, Rich Dad Advisor on Tax-Free Wealth. Since you'll be making a lot of money, your job is to get your income into the asset column under the guidance of Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright's book. At that point, you'll know which asset class to invest most in. Kim and I love real estate, and Tom will tell you it is the last remaining tax-deferred tax, you know, best way to make a lot of money without paying taxes. So you've got to convert the income you make as a professional doctor, attorney, and all that into passive income as an investor. Remember, there's three types of income, ordinary, portfolio, and passive. If you save money, it's ordinary money. If you work for money, it's ordinary money. Put your money in a 401k, it's ordinary money. It's the worst thing you can do. What they're telling you to do is the worst advice. Go to school, get a job, work hard, save money, and invest for the long term in the stock market. You've really got to convert your income to either passive income or portfolio income. Kim and I invest primarily in portfolio income because we control taxes and debt on it. And Luke, I'll say two things. One is um, we love San Antonio. <laughs> it's interesting that you're a medical student in yes, San Antonio. God bless we, you. we have a lot of apartments in San Antonio, Several so it's thousand. a great place. So you're in the right place. And one other story, real quick. I met a gentleman in London, and he was a medical doctor, and he said after reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, it really changed his point of view. And so he loved the medical profession, but then he went into medical devices, and he started building businesses, creating medical devices. So today, these businesses are giving him lots and lots and lots of income, but at a, as assets and as business owner, not as an employee. So in the medical world, there's other ways to do it as well. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>